We're live with Season 2, Episode 4 of Beyond Meaning, The Hidden Science of Thought. Welcome back. Last week, we finished talking about all the ideas, concepts, and systems to date within the show. So this week, we're going to talk about new ideas, newer models, and we're going to tie them into, well, everything that has been the Beyond Meaning uh, podcast to date. So it's pretty cool. Uh, I went ahead and I wrote something that I'm just going to read. And we're going to discuss it as I read it, uh, how we used to do in the first couple of episodes. And after that, I'm going to talk about, well, we'll just get there when we get there, right? So reaching a state of gnosis is more than just a destination. It's the unfolding and interconnection of physical and psychological phenomena from a submolecular to macrocosmic level. The progresses within the crossroads of perception create a sequential chapter book that will add to the lore of, well, the, the term Akashic Record fits in really well. And uh, I may have spoken about what the Akashic Records are prior to right now on the show, but if I haven't, uh, then I'll just go ahead and explain it. And then after that, I'll just make a note that we've discussed it and it'll just get deeper. But I mean, we'll see how deep it goes. The Akashic Records are like, all right, let's pretend or well, let's sit with the awareness. Let's put in our mind's eye all the events that have occurred within the constituency of the perceived universe to date inside of a archive <laughs> or library, you know, like a record of information that has recorded everything from the dawn of time to the end of you know the big crunch or yeah the big crunch and um inside of this book we all have like our own or well inside of this archive we all have our own book or our own record right and you know like i mean i was intro i was initiated into this a couple of years ago I believe it was 2017, uh, 2017, 2018 for sure. Um, so yeah, we'll just say 2018 since there's certainty there. Um, in 2018, I, I was uh, getting more comfortable with the concept of like dream meditation and lucid dreaming, astral projection, blah, 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 blah. You know, the whole mystical, the whole mystical avenue of just sleep, the most essential and consistent thing in our life next to food and drink. And I had a weird experience, you know, it started as like a lucid dream, but it evolved into something else. And I was like shown. All right. So I was like walking in like a cityscape. Right. And within the cityscape, I saw like an open building that was like, oh, OK. I mean, I guess I'm just I'm here. So I went inside the building. And um, when I went inside the building, I was like, oh, these are obviously not humans. They were aliens or what I what my brain told me were aliens in this dream. And uh, they were like, well, we have uh, information that, that you can acquire if you choose to acquire it. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. Let me acquire this information. And um, so they're like, all right, follow us. And yes, this is a dream. Well, I mean, a lucid dream, uh, an astral projection. But yeah, that's what I mean. You know, like these experiences are quite vivid, uh, but it hasn't been something overnight. Like I've been working on making these like perceptual things for a long time at this point. 
uh, and this was back in 2018, you know, so um, I had already established a little bit of a meditation with that. But anyway, um, they talk, they, they're like, all right, follow us. And they take me to like a like a room. It looked like a surgery room, you know, like in where, where they have like the big floodlights beaming down on you. And uh, all the people are just like huddled over the patient. And there's like a, like an operation table. It didn't really look like an operation table. It was like a high tech operation table. <laughs> Dare I say that? Um, but it wasn't even that. It was more so like just like a like a like a bed. Um, but it wasn't like a bed. So it had alien features to it that I can't necessarily put into words. But um, it morphed and melded to my body, and like it just was like all right. And then it just uh, laid me down. And then when the lights uh, blinded me, they were like all right. So you choose to do this, right? And I was like, yes, I choose to do this. And um, then, like in that instance, they like lowered down what was uh, with like alien technology. Um, they lowered down like a skull. It looked like a human skull. And then they were like, "All right, grab it." And I'm like, "All right, I'm gonna grab it." And in the instance that I grab it, my physical time space, like it was crazy. It was almost like going through a like a time hole, like a wormhole because I started vibrating like it's like all of my body it was like intense vibrations it, I guess you could call this like my first Kundalini awakening but um it was intense vibrations and it was in it was just like foom, 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 foom. and in while my body and my mind and everything was vibrating I felt like I was going through space and time I was flying through it because I was seeing all of humanity's collective memories ie Martin Luther King the JFK assassination uh 9 11 uh i mean granted all like uh these are just timestamps in human history uh nikola tesla etc you know and in this instance i realized whoa it's ether it's like this is the ether um and as i kind of just like came back into my life after that experience um I was like, wow, I somehow stumbled upon the Akashic Records. And as soon as I like heard about it and like I did just an infinitesimally small amount of research on it, in other words, a little Google, I was like, wow, this is exactly what I experienced. Like I, I, I have been there. I know exactly what that means. And like that was the, the starting stone of like my journey with the Akashic Records, which is like the collective storehouse of events that have occurred and so you know throughout time i have learned how to access this uh energy field consciously and the thing is that with this energy field though it isn't just like a all right you're going to access your akashic records today and just like that's it so it's like you there's like a whole there's like a whole hierarchy a spiritual hierarchy with all of this and it requires like a sort of, well, yeah, servitude is a good word to put into uh, action with this, but it's not like servitude to like an entity or something. It's like servitude to like the higher collective of humanity. And it's through like service to uh, others that you actually heighten that sense of magnetism that is the Akashic knowledge, because it's like the more you dive into the Akasha, you gain access to like spiritual guides that are going to give you information that is going to guide you specifically on your 
well i mean on your quest on your destiny on your chapter if you want to say it like that because it's like you have gained a point where you can just see above that realm of linearity and as you can perceive the probable outcome of things you're going to realize how like that creates your own system and like based off of that system that you are creating inside of your own perception based off of the avenues and personalities that you uh well archetypes archetypes is a better word based off of how the archetypes inside of your perception are interacting with this information you're going to create a uh gradual uh machine that is going to gain its own con uh, sentience in short it's going to become its own entity because it's like you are filling it in with like akasha uh, like akasha energy you know uh actually uh you could call it the 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 akashic records or the halls of amenti um but it's literally the same information um like it's just a different initiation truth be told though it's truly an essence that doesn't need to be encapsulated with words i'll let you find your way through that symbolism but what i'm trying to say here is not an addition to our inner duality rather the attainment of the system's concrescence the balancing of that said duality the morphing of that said duality that sets in motion the deterministic action or the fractality it's an it's a hierarchical summation or expression of consciousness through a hyperspatial nature of superconductive bonds otherwise known as recursive isomorphisms i'm getting to the point where magnetism isn't necessarily the end result it's only the beginning of the actual hero's journey uh so it's like let's say the hero was just like living their life until they reach this point but once they reach this point in the hero's journey this is what actually the portion of gaining gnosis is you know so it's like how i just tied my spiritual awakening to like becoming aware of the the akashic records or i, I tied that to like a kundalini awakening that's kind of like all right so now that i know this like all right what well, what next you know what next uh yeah so it's like that's just a new beginning it's like this it's the perspective shift that takes you outside of the world of being like this is just it to being like this is what we're doing we could call that like all right i was unaware of my destiny and now i am aware of my destiny <laughs> uh yeah for real i think of this as like a quantum thinking you know it's like we can call it quantum thinking but like it's really just an illustration of patterns. All right, so Mr. Terence McKenna, he found he found a strange loop in the I Ching, and he made the time wave theory out of it. Uh, so what is a strange loop? A strange loop is a self-referent axiom. So the self, the I, is made up of the joining of a bunch of purposeless points, such as atoms, beliefs, and other information to create systems of reference within that actual i guess you could call it a vacuum so these information models they group together and they reference each other to create a systematic i the purpose of the self is to become aware of and to create the conditions and events for the subconscious axioms to become manifest in relation to the internal processing archetype 
Therefore, information siphons upwards through the layers of personality, becoming conscious as awareness increases in relation to the established axiom and its consistency. So an axiom is consistent when the provable truth and subsequent untruth are provable or knowable. So the, the liar's paradox is actually a really good statement to illustrate this uh, overarching phenomenon. Uh, so this statement is false. And when you sit down and really think about it, you realize, all right, so if this statement is false, then it's true. So then it's like not false. Therefore, it's a paradox, right? So this creates uh, an incompleteness loop within the statement because of the fact that it's not provable. It's not provable, therefore it is inconsistent. And this creates way to a realization that the reasoning model is incomplete because of said unprovability. So suppose that the expression of the phrase, and I quote, this statement is provable, is producing, is capable of producing an axiom. We'll label this system as number one. So then by the same definition, it is possible to construct a system that says I am not provable in number one. So this creates another paradox of self-reference that really illustrates, well, this not only illustrates the Gerdelian inconsistency theorem, but it also illustrates the phenomena of strange loopness. So it creates a foundation for self-reference and self-awareness. And the I is a similar. So we're going to let those concepts incubate for a moment or two. And we're gonna bring up Mr. Terence McKenna and his novelty theory and his amazing findings with well all right so we'll just take it from the top we'll just talk about mr mckenna and his work and it'll make sense as we get there um so terence mckenna he created a uh sort of he found time is the ebb of flow of two opposed qualities known as novelty and habit so it doesn't necessarily need to be restricted to novelty no, <laughs> novelty and habit. It could be like entropy and uh, negative entropy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Negative entropy being the habit and entropy being the novelty or chaos and order or whatever other system you want to constitute with that. And so, yeah, Mr. McKenna was charting these uh, variables out on his time wave software. And he realized that with the accordance of the, 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 the I Ching, the spiral of the I Ching and the number of values of the I Ching, they lined up very well with uh, the timeline of well, major human events. And he later goes on to define how while humans are not only conscious and capable creatures, but we are uh, instigators of the time zone, of the time wave, lol time zone. Oh uh, yeah, we are instigators of the time wave in a sense that we are introducing a higher degree of novelty to the system that has, well, at least in relativity to this uh, experience not been introduced before. So it's reaching a higher 
and higher degrees of novelty through well the interconnection of the internet and this is actually just uh a hallmark a chronicle to a higher truth you know seen as well we could call it the soul but uh mr mckenna says it in a really eloquent way uh he kind of talks about uh how waves uh are similar expressions more simple more primal expressions of a more complex wave that utilizes the simple wave as the primary unit in a system of units. The I Ching is a mathematical divinatory tool primarily concerned with the dynamic relationships and transformations that archetypes undergo. It is deeply involved with the nature of time as the necessary condition for the manifestation of archetypes as categories of experience. The I Ching, through its concern with detailing the dynamics of change and process, may hold the leg to modeling the temporal dimension that metabolism creates for organisms, the temporal dimension without which mind, as we know it, could not exist. While the I Ching has many different sequences, but the specific sequence that the time wave theory is based off of, the Kang Wen sequence is the sequence that the, the time wave theory is constituted upon, and the King Wen sequence is of 64 hexagrams and is amongst the oldest sequences of the I Ching. Um, so yeah, uh, this actually leads us forward into uh, considering how it's like, all right, so then why isn't it predominant in this actual society and culture and why, why not? You know, like why isn't it something that we are more collectively aware about? Shouldn't it be more popular if it's as uh, f as big and famous as, you know, or as big and true as it's claiming to be? Well, yeah. All right. So science forgot about this. Uh, this is the eschaton, otherwise known as that which science forgot, which is uh, led to the belief that if it were valued, then there is a purpose to the nature of reality in turn sparking not only controversy amongst culture, but also a conversation on our show. The eschaton acts as a sort of attraction point to the apex of reality. And uh, well, yeah, thanks to deism, the idea that the universe is a clock made by God and God wound this cosmic clock and walked away and left the clock on a countdown, uh, well, yeah, this theological construct was not compatible with the prevailing evolutionary theory of the 19th century. And so they said, <laughs> to quote loosely, not even to quote, but they were like, all right, we must create a theory of reality that does not require a goal and does not require a purpose. So this made the idea that everything must be pushed from the past and that nothing can be pulled to the future. Um, this makes sense, right? But it's incomplete as it does not fulfill well the primal intuition that we all feel or that some of us feel about reality. We can see that evolution, well, we're all capable of feeling that intuition. Others just choose not to be aware of it. Others choose to be extra aware of it. Uh, but yeah, this makes sense, as I said. But uh, we have this primal intuition about the nature of reality and we can see 
that, for, like, we can see that evolution was built on chemical systems. We can see that so social and historical systems were built on biology. So people with open minds, you see, it's like a, it's the stacking of consciousness, the elevation of consciousness. And so us people, like people like us with open minds or as open as we can be inside of this culture, we nevertheless harness this intuition of purpose. And, you know, like, I mean, usually the same people who are aware or agree with these ideas are the same type of people who have experienced the psychedelic experience and know how well know what it's like to go down this experience about like interconnection and realizing and you know like it's a challenge it's really a challenge of an experience because you become faced with not only your own mortality and your own and your own programming but you have the ability to just let go you know and it's like it shows you how to let go and it doesn't need to be a painful process after you learn um to listen to it you know it's 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 an energy it's an energy it's its own morpho energetic field you know that comes from your own self within you know it's like let's say let's say that like something was supposed to come here to reach you but it didn't want to go through like the the layers of attachment or whatever so it's like let's say that like that entity decided to manifest as a mushroom here on earth so that it could give you yourself messages that like intuitive messages that like it wouldn't be able to give you through like a human because it's like it, it has to give it to you and only you because you're the one that's going to bring it out and manifest it into this world type of thing you know um that goes like part in hand with the shamanic experience the shamanic experience that you know is part of the archetype the shaman archetype uh which is like the the person who walks with like one foot in the etheric and one foot in the physical grounded and capable you know aware actually there's a magnificent book called a land with no evil uh that really shows in the perspective of a of a novel a story the coming of age of like a shaman at the crossroads of the industrialization of his people and for through christianity and uh his actual people just like being like all right but no like i mean you're having these uh cultural visions look at our culture calling you and then there's this new culture and then he's like well who do i believe i want to believe my people but i also like these people say that if i don't believe in this i get damned to hell for all eternity and then like it's uh, a beautiful narrative that explains just that dance with the with the cosmos and that that intuition that compass that guides you to well that land with no evil and it's a beautiful book it's a beautiful book um, i do recommend it and it ties really firmly into what we're talking about right now so that is why i decided to plug it but um yeah it's the psychedelic experience it gives you that unitary connectedness that is held within a moment of complete awareness and it's not just like blowing smoke into the concept that it's like yeah this is a nice idea or anything like that it or anything like or like a religious idea as in saying jesus loves you so feel right about feel all right it's not like saying jesus loves you so feel right about yourself like it's a theory that actually has teeth because reality is actually following the script that this particular version of reality dictates and reality is accelerating to a certain 
omega point. Uh, an unimaginable interconnectedness where we are one with everything and just returning to our literal gas form, to put it in those ways. Um, yeah, yeah, we could say that. But uh, we are the inheritors of this immense momentum in our social systems, our philosophical and scientific and technological approaches to the world. Because we're driving the historical vehicle with a rear view mirror, it appears to us that we're headed straight into a brick wall at a thousand miles an hour. It appears that we are destroying the earth, polluting the atmosphere, wrecking the oceans, dehumanizing ourselves, robbing our children of a future, so forth and so on. One by one, we're burning the bridges to the past. We cannot go back to the mushroom-dotted plains of Africa or the canopied rainforests of five million years ago. We can't even go back to the era of Cayuse and the sixth shooter of 200 years ago. We have burned our bridges to the past. We are preparing for a culture, for a kind of cultural forward escape. And this question is, is there cause for optimism? The answer is yes. It depends on where you placed your bets. If you placed your bets on male-dominated institutions based on consumer fetishism, propaganda, classism, and the material, then God help you. You should call your broker. If, on the other hand though, you've recognized that a lifeboat strategy is involved here, that what is really important is empowering personal experience, backing off from consumer object fetishism, freeing the mind and empowering the imagination, then in that case, I think you can feel pretty good about what is going on. All right, so I want to bring all of this full circle so that we can go ahead and transition into this week's uh, idea or this episode's idea. So in short, this is a representation of not only the recursive quality of like our thinking model or our consciousness slash subconscious mind, um, but also just a natural representation on like the ebb and flow of our reality, our experience, uh, our life, <laughs> our universe, you know, it's like the universe, the universality, the universe, the you, you, okay. But yeah, this is the, the archetype of the archetype, which is using archetypes as a way to explain its intentions and motivations and necessities to the archetypes itself so that the archetypes that are being presented through the archetypes archetype can go ahead and archetype as best as they know how to archetype in order to represent the big archetypes archetype within the little archetype. You know, it's just using words. It's, it's beyond the meaning, you know what I mean? Like, you see that? Like, it's beyond the meaning. It's beyond the words to transmit the actual concept, you know? Because it's like, if you heard, you've heard 27 minutes, you've heard 20, you've heard like 30 minutes worth of information. And you've seen that it's the same concept just presented to you in like a, an abundance of different ways, right? and different like it's all spoken right but it's different symbols it's different teachers it's different methods right and as this starts to set up and take root within your awareness you're going to start to 
realized that like well i mean this is after like time it's not just like you're gonna listen to this and then tomorrow you're gonna be like hey i hear all of these subconscious things. like if you like resonate with this thinking model then like you're already on this vibe right so it's like you're kind of aware of how the nature and the constituency between these factors overlay and represent their uh, represent themselves so it's pretty interesting it's rather cool um and i think that it's something that just develops by itself as time passes by um but yeah i think this is a great segue into the next uh episode or uh, this episode's question as we go over last week's episode or last episode's question okay so yeah the question that we closed last week's episode off with was what is the best advice you've ever received and for me you know, it's like, what's the best advice I've ever received? The best advice I've ever received is be open to dreaming. Don't be afraid to chase what you want. Like, it's like, okay, you could chase what you want or you could chase what someone else wants you to chase, but you're still giving that energy to the chase. So you owe it in your best interest to just chase what you want, you know? Um, and that's, in essence, uh, shortly what's going to influence me to mold my worldview in a way that I can follow and follow what I want to do, do what I want to do, but also produce value and give value to the world around me in a way that it allows my life to be the life I want it to be. And actually that's cool because it's like that's the that goes hand in hand with the Japanese ikigai, which is uh well the ikigai is uh the thing that really helps put into perspective a lot of things to help you find your purpose and it's like so it's it's uh it's like a four-sided venn diagram which is like that which you love that which the world needs that which you can be paid for and that which you are good at and so from one of the another from so when that which you love overlaps with that which the world needs you have your mission when that which the world needs overlaps with that which you can be paid for, you have your vocation. When that which you can be paid for overlaps with that which you are good at, you have your profession. Then when that which you are good at overlaps with that which you love, you have your passion. And all of this builds down or boil, boils down, all of this boils down to the point that that point that singularity that omega interconnection point as we spoke about this episode uh, of purpose this is essentially the same thing as destiny and your chief definite aim and all these things that you have been hearing us talk about since season one episode one and you know it's not always the easiest things to talk about because it is at the end of the day well not only something something that is easy to talk about because it's our livelihood it's literally like we're talking about our whole ass life you know and it's not like i'm out here just like talking just for the heck of it like it's like if it weren't for the fact that i really like thought that what i was saying had a degree of validity and it didn't and it like if it if this didn't create value in my life i wouldn't be doing it just because of the fact that it's creating value in other people's lives like, it, it, it reaches a point where it's like, yes, I mean, I'm creating this for myself, but it also helps know that, like, you know, this content is going to reach other people who are going to more than likely get something out of it. And that's really motivating. That's really uh, yeah, inspiring. That's really uh, 
inspiring really no it's that's just that's the word because it's like don't you always just want to do better and doesn't and doesn't doing better become more natural when you have the support system that allows for you to do better and that's actually just like taking it a step deeper because it's like all right i want to do the best that i can do not only for myself but also so that i can give that quality to the world or outside and actually like we said in the beginning of this episode it's about being in service you know so it's like i'm not just being in service to myself which you know you have to be in service to yourself but i'm also being in service i'm being in service to others by being in service to myself you see how it's self-fulfilling and self-constructive in that nature so you know that 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 advice really truly this is what led me or started to lead me down the road of it's like okay i can line up the cards so that they are in harmony with what i want to say what i want to do what i feel passionate about and the requirements of the world around me as in well gee it's just living requirements you know uh so it's like how can i make this a system you know and it's not an overnight thing again 2018 2019 2020 and 21 that's a long time that's a long time and so you know it's not like it's an overnight thing but it eventually eventually the nights become days and after a certain amount of time of consistency and effort you flourish you flourish and you fly i love where we are right now in this show um so before we actually close off the episode i'm gonna give uh this current idea and then we're gonna i actually want to tie a tie a connection to simulacra and simulation and everything that we went over with uh terence mckenna's words today as these are further incubating in your subconscious but yeah um this week uh this week's question or this episode's question is um what brings you the most joy right now what brings you the most joy right now i like this one because it's like you're it helps you tap into like the positive avenues of your life and the more abundant and expressive and fulfilling avenues that are giving you value and so it's like you know when you identify it it's like all right so how can i expand this joy into other avenues of my life you know not to say that like everything in life needs to be joyous but everything in life in essence, you reach a state of bliss and when you acquire a certain degree of, well, spirituality, <laughs> to say it, a certain degree of truth, to be honest. I wanted to read a little bit more from Jan Baldrillard's uh, Simulacra and Simulation. And, you know, it's going to tie very well into how we just discussed Terence McKenna's work and everything that he implies is going to be revealed through here um the fact of this implosion of contents the absorption of meaning of the evanescence of the median itself of the reabsorption of every dialect of communication in a total circulatory model of implosion to the social and masses may be seen as the idealistic domination of our whole view of the information which we consume and live in by a passionate idealism of meaning and of communication by an idealism of communication through meaning in fact and from this perspective in such it is truly the catastrophe 
of meaning that lies in wait for us. But one must realize that catastrophe has this catastrophic meaning of end and annihilation only in relation to a linear vision of accumulation, of productive finality, imposed on us by the system. Etymologically speaking, the term itself only signifies the curvature or winding down of the bottom of a cycle that leads to what one could call the horizon of the event, to an impassable horizon of meaning. Beyond that, nothing takes place that has meaning for us, but it suffices to get out of this ultimatum of meaning in order for the catastrophe itself to no longer seem like a final and nihilistic day of reckoning, such as its functions in our contemporary imaging. Beyond meaning, there is a fascination that results from the neutralization and the implosion of meaning. Beyond the horizon of the social, there are the masses, which result from the neutralization of the implosion of the social which is the essential today in the evaluate of this double challenge. The challenge of the masses to the meaning and their silence. The challenge of meaning that comes from the media and its fascination. All the marginal alternative efforts to revive meaning are secondary in relation to the challenge. Evidently, there is a paradox in this inextricable conjugation of the masses and the media. Does the media now uh, neutralize meaning and produce unformed or informed masses? Or do the masses who victoriously resist the media by directing or observing all the messages that the media produce without responding to them? Some time ago in Requiem for Media, Baudrillard analyzed the condemned and condemned the media as the institution of the irreversible model of communication without a response. But today, this absence of a response can no longer be understood at all as a strategy of power, but as a counter-strategy of the masses themselves when they are encountering power. What then? Are the mass media on the side of power in the manipulation of the masses? Or are they on the side of the masses in the liquidation of meaning? In the violence perpetuated on meaning and in fascination? Is it the media that induces fascination in the masses? Or is it the masses who direct the media into the spectacle? The media carry meaning and counter meaning. They manipulate in all directions at once. Nothing can control this process. They are the vehicle for the simulation internal to the system of the simulation that destroys the system. According to an absolutely Mobian circular logic, and it is exactly like this. There is no alternative to this, no logical resolution, only a logical exaberation and a catastrophic resolution with one cause. We are face to face with the system in a double situation and insoluble double bind, exactly like children faced with the demands of the adult world. Children are simultaneously required to constitute themselves as autonomous subjects, responsible, free, and conscious, and to constitute themselves as submissive, inert, obedient, conforming objects. The child resists on all levels, and to a contradictory demand, he responds with a double strategy. To the demand of being a subject he opposes, just as abstainly and efficaciously as an object's resistance, 
That is to say, exactly the opposite. Childlessness, hyperconformism, total dependence, passivity, idiocy. Neither strategy has more objective value than the other. The subject resistance is today un unilaterally valorized and viewed as positive. Just as the political sphere, only the, only the practices of freedom, emancipation, expression, and the constitution of a, of a political subject are seen valuable and subversive. But this is to ignore the equal and without a doubt superior impact of all other practices of the renunciation of the subject position and of meaning, precisely the practices of the masses that we bury under the derisory terms of alienation and passivity. The liberating practices respond to one of the aspects of the system, to the constant ultimatum we are given to constitute ourselves as pure objects, but they do not respond at all to the other demand, that of constituting ourselves as subjects, of liberating ourselves, expressing ourselves at whatever cost of voting, producing, deciding, speaking, participating, playing the game, a form of blackmail and ultimatum just as serious as the other, even more serious today, to a system whose argument is oppression and repression, the strategic resistance is the liberating claim of subjecthood, but this strategy is more reflective of the earlier phase of the system, and even if we are still confronted with it, it is no longer the strategic terrain. The current argument of the system is to maximize speech, the maximum production of meaning. Thus, the strategic resistances of the refusal of meaning and of the spoken word, or of the hyperconformist simulation of the very mechanics of the system. Within this form of refusal and non-reception, it is the strategy of the masses. It is the equivalent to the returning to of the system by its own logic and doubting it, to reflecting meaning like a mirror without absorbing it. This strategy prevails today because it, it was ushered in by that phase of the system which currently prevails. To choose the wrong strategy is a serious matter. All the movements that only play on liberation, emancipation, on the, on the resurrection of a subject of history, of that group of the word based on consciousness rising, indeed a raising of the unconscious, of subjects and of the masses do not see that they are going in the direction of the system, whose imperative today is precisely the overproduction and regeneration of meaning and of speech. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty powerful stuff. You're definitely going to have to either pick up the book yourself or hear this a couple of times, but it's, it's really powerful stuff. Give it a second and another second and another second. And eventually you're going to start following it. Uh, it really helps if like you have a physical copy of the, of the literature, uh, but it's, it's really good stuff. It's, it's really good stuff. Um, yeah, it really leaves me feeling a certain way after I finish reading that. Uh, and yeah, that's exactly how I feel in this moment. So pretty interesting. But uh, happily enough, um, that was, uh, that's, I believe, a wrap for this episode. Um, next episode, we'll, we'll just keep on with our very important work. So yeah, uh, thanks a lot for listening as always. Uh, catch you on the, well, remember to follow the show. Remember to leave me a, a review if you find value from all this information. And yeah, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. 